Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Austin Myers, and my co-host, who you'll hear from in a moment, is Sarah Manderscheid. Sarah, at the release of this episode, is now three days out from the Chicago Marathon. We get into that a little bit in this episode, and it is really the motivation for our topic of the episode, which is the do's and the do nots of taper. When you are tapering towards a race, towards a goal race that you've hopefully been training consistently and intentionally towards, what are the things that we should be doing and what are the things that we should not be doing in an effort to really maximize race day and to make sure that our bodies show up at its fullest potential. That is what we get into during this episode. A lot of these discussion points that we talk about in this episode are really built off of the equation of stress plus rest equals growth. And when we consider a taper, we're assuming that the stress has already happened throughout months of training towards your race, and now it's time to drop the stress as much as possible, at least from a training stimulus perspective and to focus on rest and recovery. So all of the do's that we discuss are really focused on what you can do to maximize that period of rest and recovery towards your goal race. And then a lot of the do nots that we discuss are focused on limiting or eliminating stress that could come in in that 10, 14, maybe even a little bit more than 14 day window that you have for a taper. So we hope that our episode of the week, as we now release episodes each Thursday, we hope that it provides you value. We know that we are fully immersed in fall running and fall race season for some of the major marathons that have already occurred and are coming up here in the next few weeks. So we hope you find value in this. And even if you are not in a period of taper or you're not training towards a specific goal race, these concepts of stress and rest still apply to your training and can be applied to your pursuit of growth as a runner. So if you enjoy this episode, we would absolutely love it if you share it with a friend, a fellow runner to help them. And also make sure that you are subscribed And if you have not already, leave a review through the platform that you're listening on. It helps us to expand our reach, to connect with more runners like yourself, and to really help to inspire and inform an audience. We thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid and I'm here with my co-host Austin Myers. Hey Sarah, how are you today? (laughs) I'm doing great. It's race week. How are you? I'm great. I'm really excited for you. That's that's how I opened the call with you today. I said it's race week. I'm pumped for you. Um, you've, You've had a lot of hard work, not just in this training cycle, but in previous training cycles, 
And I really feel like you're going to see the results of it in the Chicago Marathon in this next week. So I'm looking forward to it for you. Yeah, I am so excited. Thank you so much. And um, and we're just going to kick in or get into our elevated moments of the week. And mine, I have two, so it's going to be a two-part. Um, first and foremost, we had some really great athletes racing yesterday at Twin Cities in Portland. And it was a phenomenal day for the team. Everyone was racing strong. We had a BQ in her debut marathon, which was really exciting to see. So shout out to Sarah, who um, is still feeling like it's very surreal for her. So um, it was a really great day to see all their hard work come through. And I also want to note that, like, specifically for Sarah, like she ran, we started working together 11 and a half months ago. Her two mile time trial was on day one. She ran 744 pace for two miles. And she said to me, it was so hard. She felt like she was going to throw up yesterday. She ran 750 average for her marathons. We were able to string together. I mean, she did all the hard work. She was able to string together basically, you know, six seconds slower per mile for 26.2 miles. And I think that's the power of consistency showing up, doing the work and having fun along the way. Cause we got to see each other at grandma's this summer and we had a lot of fun. So um, a really great day for the team. And then the second part is just that I'm in race week and that feels really good. I was saying to you, Austin, tonight before we started recording, like I'm just ready for the race to be here. I feel so strong, so confident, so ready to crush it. And the difference between this marathon and the other three that I've run is that I am like mentally ready to go to that place that I have to go to like have a really strong, hopefully at the last 10 K, whenever that happens on the course, I'm ready for it. And I actually am like, kind of like wanting it and craving it and like, can't wait for that point to happen on the course. So I can prove to myself that all this work that I've been doing this summer, all the work that Nell's been doing with me to get me into this healthy mental state to be able to push into that dark place and stay there worked. And, um, it's really exciting. The weather looks incredible and, um, I couldn't be happier. There's also going to be a pretty big elevate team in Chicago too. So we have eight athletes racing and it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we could probably have an entire episode on what you were just <laughs> discussing, which is that dark place that you do have to go to, um, during a marathon, during a half marathon, when you're, when you're just pushing right up against your fullest potential, you're going to find that dark place. Um, but to hear that you are welcoming it, to hear that you're thinking about it ahead of time, we're going to talk about visualization in this episode. It's absolutely crucial. I mean, you have mm -hmm. to, in some way, crave it. I like to talk about, uh, the importance of having a chip on your shoulder. And I think just anticipating that dark place that you're going to go to, in a way is like a chip on your shoulder to say, you know what, I'm going to be in that dark place. I'm going to feel it and I'm going to overcome it. So I know yeah. you're going to push through it. I know you're going to overcome it. And I know you're going to have a, a strong result because of that. It's really good to hear, you know, less than a week out that you're thinking about that right now. But for my elevated moment, uh, <laughs> not necessarily talking about a dark place. Mine's so different than yours is. Uh, <laughs> I had a really 
for what feels like one of the first times that Abby and I have been in Texas together since we moved down here for my job. Um, we had a really nice relaxing weekend together where it didn't feel like there was things pulling at us from multiple different directions. We were both able to get in a long run on Sunday and just enjoy the time together. So a little bit different than yours, Sarah, but just shows <laughs> how well-rounded our elevated moments can be. Um, so that was something that, you know, I just, I really reflected on today. Um, as we record on a Monday that I was really thankful for. I absolutely love it. And we'll welcome a weekend like that, hopefully next weekend. <laughs> Who knows? Absolutely. <laughs> well, we want to um, welcome Inside Tracker back into our episode. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where, where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash elevate your running that's inside tracker.com forward slash elevate your running yeah well today's episode is all about race taper do's and don'ts and i think it's so important that we talk about this um this week because we are in the middle really of fall race season right we have berlin we have london we have chicago in a few days new york is following um a few weeks after um, we have a lot of other marathons, half marathons, 10K, 5Ks out there. And taper is one of the pieces to training. And it's really important. And what I've discovered in my time coaching is that a lot of athletes don't embrace taper. They don't do a taper. I know I struggled during taper because shocker, I want to do all the things. I actually had a rest day today. We're recording on Monday. And it's outside of my, I usually have rest days on Thursdays and I am like the energy levels are so high. I'm just like ready to get out there and run, um, which is a really good place to be. That's where you want to be in taper. So what exactly is taper? What is the intention of taper? It is stressing your body throughout the training cycle. That could be 12 to 20 weeks of training. You are stressing it through mileage, through workouts through strength training, and then you have recovery weeks. These are down weeks. These could be cutback weeks. Most elevate athletes have three weeks of growth, and then we cut down or cut back for one week. Some athletes do better with two up and one down. So everyone's different, but the intent is to also have those mini rest weeks um, where you pull back on mileage, you pull back a little bit on the intensity but you still get really good results out of that because when you take those cutback weeks, your body is 
is absorbing all the training that you've done over the last three weeks. Now, taper is a two to three, sometimes four week process, kind of depending on your coach or the program that you're following. And it is intended to give your body that extra downtime. So you're not running, you're reducing your mileage, you're keeping the intensity, um, but you are allowing your body to absorb the training over a longer period of time. And when you do that, growth happens. I've had so many athletes, first time marathoners say to me or ask, how can I possibly run a marathon if I don't even run 26.2 miles in training? Like I just don't get that. Or, or a half marathoner asking, how can I run this a goal pace at eight minutes per mile? If you know, my progression runs started at like 10 minutes a mile. And then we got down to eight minutes a mile, but I haven't done actually 13.1 miles at eight minutes per mile. It's totally, it's totally common thinking. It's totally common questions. Like that's what training does. We build the body up, we stress it, we rest it, and then you have growth. And I think my story with Sarah running yesterday and just absolutely crushing the marathon um, is a really great example of that. Um, So rest and recovery are key. Definitely two full weeks before the marathon. I started my taper technically for weeks before race day, we started pulling back mileage. And I thought that was really smart because I was running significantly more in this training cycle than in past training cycles. So it was a, it was a sure way to make certain as much as we can, because not anything, nothing's really certain in taper that I would show up on race day feeling like I had that pop in my step that we all want versus feeling fatigued and run down. Um, so we're going to get into things that you shouldn't do in taper first. Um, so the first thing is anything contradictory to the goal of rest and recovery. What does this look like? This looks like if you have a plan and you are running lower mileage, do not do excessive activity. So like, don't run extra. Don't run over the amount of time listed in your plan. Um, don't hike a 14er. Don't like walk. If you have a dog, like, you know, for Kenzie, I'm walking Kenzie the exact same, maybe a tiny bit less than what I was doing in training. I'm not going to take Kenzie on like a two hour walk to get in like (laughs) extra steps because I'm in taper. Like that's not what you want to do. The point of taper is rest and recovery. So really slow your roll. I feel like it's really tough for me to do. Austin, you're probably the same. And at the same time, you see so many great benefits to it on race day. If you can do that. It's really funny. Like, you know, when we're, when we're talking on this podcast to runners and what we assume and and really know to be highly driven people who want to accomplish goals, it's so different than talking to maybe the majority of the population who you have to, or they make excuses for why they shouldn't be doing something. And then for people who are training for a PR, a half marathon, a marathon, they're actually making excuses for why they should be doing more. And it's just such a funny (laughs) philosophy, but that you do find yourself doing that in taper. Um, I know I certainly have where 
you rationalize why you can do more and still get away with it. And we've talked about this before. Um, I believe it was on our easy running pod episode, episode 25. And we were basically saying, don't push as hard as you can to fit within the restraints. Like let's not run as many miles as possible to still get away with it. We don't want to just get away with it. We really want to give our bodies that I'll call it like recovery stimulus, but it's actually the opposite of that. You're taking away the training stimulus that you've had for months ahead of time and you're allowing it to rest and recover. And although, you know, you'll see the mileage scale back and your mind's going to tell you, you should get out there for a longer walk, or maybe you can fit in a strength training session. Doing those things in taper, and we're really talking like the 14 or so days leading into the race, is there's two problems with that. Number one, it's not going to do any benefit for you. There's no benefit to strength training within two to three weeks of a race unless we're just doing some maintenance work to stay healthy. There's no benefit to ramping up mileage or going on a longer walk than usual the stimulus that you could have given your body to have a result on race day has already been had you've already done the big workouts you've already hopefully accomplished your training goals in the cycle leading into the race now that you're in taper it is time to take the opportunity take the extra time rest recover because I can tell you from my own experience of having a really effective taper this last marathon that I ran, it's absolutely amazing how good your body feels for at least, you know, the first half of a race when you truly taper the right way and things fall in your favor on race day. So that is really the importance of not doing anything contradictory to the goal. Remember the primary goal that you're looking to work towards as you enter taper and as you continue throughout taper. Number two, though, for things not to do during taper is going to be something that may be a part of your lifestyle. It may be a part of your training for the vast majority of a marathon training cycle. And to some extent, it's going to be a little bit open-ended and something that you can decide upon for yourself but that is to drink alcohol or to not drink alcohol during taper. So as you get closer and closer to race week and race day, it's probably smart to completely pull alcohol from your lifestyle. There is no benefit, and you could probably look at science to say that it is only negative in the way of drinking alcohol, especially if we're talking the few days or the night before leading into a race. However, it is up to your discretion to identify how much you want to sacrifice or how much you're willing to invest as you enter into taper towards a a race that you've been training for. So you need to take inventory of your goals and really how much those goals matter to you and also where alcohol fits into your life and how you want it to be a part of the experience around race day. Yeah. And I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I've had athletes ask during race week, Hey, can I have a glass of wine? Can I have a glass of beer um, or a can of beer? Like 
can I have that? And I say, like, if you feel like that's something you need and you know, it's not going to impact you on the next day, like go for it. I know specifically there's one athlete who had a glass of wine. I think it was the night before his marathon and it didn't affect him or not that we know of. He still ran his a goal race. Um, So it's also about leaning into like you and who you are as an athlete and what you know you you should and shouldn't do, especially during taper week. I know for me personally, I cannot drink. Um, Even before like the night before a workout, the night before a long run, or like this summer I was doing Saturday long runs and then Sunday workouts, like my weekends were gone because, and I'm not a big drinker anyways, but just even having one glass of like wine or a margarita, I knew that I would wake up the next morning, not feeling like myself and feeling tired and my sleep's usually disrupted. So for me, it does, it didn't make sense really throughout this entire training cycle. Um, and I know for some people it's definitely part of their lifestyles and that's okay. It's like balancing what is going to serve you. Like you said, Austin, like at the end of the day, what is your goal for the race? Is it an angle to be Q? Is it an angle to PR? Are you doing it to, to prove to yourself that you can do it? There's some flexibility there too. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like that point. And there's, there's two questions that I typically find myself asking of myself around alcohol and maybe specific food choices. And those questions are number one in the moment, is it worth it to me? Is, am I in an environment where I do want to enjoy a drink or I do want to enjoy a specific type of food? Is it worth it in the moment? And the second question that I ask is what am I leaving on the table the next day if I decide to have a drink or if I decide to eat something that may not sit well with me the next day. Um, And I think if you can ask both of those questions and ultimately your answers are leaning in the favor of it's worth it, then go ahead. But like we said, take inventory of your goals. Is it worth it because you really feel like you need it and you're stressed out or is it worth it because you truly want that to be a memory of that moment in time. Um, so that, you know, that's where alcohol kind of falls on the idea of taper. I think it's safe to say, as you get really close to race day, you're within those few days of race day. You know, if you can completely avoid alcohol at all, you're probably going to be able to perform to the highest possible level just because of the ways that our body reacts with alcohol. But if that's something that you want to be a part of that moment in time, um, then go for it. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to be finding the nearest margarita in Chicago on Sunday. That is a tradition of mine. So after the race, after the race. Um, All right. So the third, the third don't daring taper is the short, short side food intake because your activity levels are lower. So really this is all about nutrition. A lot of times when we are starting to pull back in taper with our mileage, with our intensity a little bit, we think that we also need to like just not eat as much. And this is absolutely not true. Um, you might find that you're actually hungrier in taper. And this is because your body's in complete overdrive to get, um, to fix your muscles, to repair your muscles, to get your body primed and rep and prepared for race day. 
So it's working extra hard. It's burning a lot of calories in the process and you're going to feel hungrier. So really lean into that and lean into the nutrition aspect too, of really focusing on, um, you know, whole foods, whole grains, really nutritious food um, so that you can power through on race day and feel really good. Yeah. I really love the idea, especially in moments where you're fatigued and your body's trying to recover to use that as an opportunity to home in on what your body's asking for. You're probably going to be craving some foods that you wonder why you're craving them, but it's because your body's looking for those specific vitamins, minerals, and nutritional value. Now, you might be craving ice cream too, and that's perfectly fine, but <laughs> just understanding that your body will give you the cues so long as you're willing to listen to it. And at the end of the day, nutrition and food intake is going to be one of the primary factors in allowing your body to rest, recover, refuel, rejuvenate, and be ready for race day. Yeah, for sure. When I'm in taper, I tend to like want more junkier food. It's so bizarre. And I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I lean into it a little bit, but I hate it. But, you know, lean into what your body's asking for and, um, and good things will happen for sure. Really um, quickly on that, Sarah. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking about, you crave kind of like junkier food, especially when activity is lower. I find that to be true as well. I think the one recommendation that I would give for people is that lead with the whole food. So lead with a legitimate meal. So maybe it's around dinner time that you're craving sugar a little bit more than usual, or you're craving, you know, some sort of salty snack that may not be what you would consider whole food or really nutritious lead with the full meal. That's going to give your body what it needs nutritional value. And then if you're still craving something after you've had that whole meal, allow yourself to have it and then just move on from there. I think it's smart to lead with the whole food because sometimes what you'll find is you'll have that meal and then the craving's gone. Yeah, for sure. That's a great tip because I definitely do the opposite. <laughs> I mean, I, I listen, I probably do too. So it's okay. <laughs> We're human. We're human. Um, but no, that's a great tip for sure. And if you find yourself kind of in that place, know that you're not alone. And, you know, there's other people, you know, probably thinking and doing the same thing that you are. And at the end of the day, you know, it'll be fine. You are enough. Um, okay. So our fourth thing is going off plan. And this kind of is the sister or brother to the first bullet point of what not to do in taper. Um, But this is particularly talking about don't go off your training plan or your taper plan. So don't invitation to not just run all the miles invitation to not run half a mile every day over or a mile every day over. Cause when you start to add it up, it does start to add up over, you know, 14 days. And that's not really the intent of taper. And I get it. I love running all the miles all the time. And this week, last week, 
next week for sure is going to be very, very hard. And it's always the time where I question why I race because I hate the taper so much. And, um, and it's just a really good opportunity to lean into all different things too, but you want to really stay focused. You want to stay like we've talked about in previous episodes, like every day is strategic for a reason and taper is one of the most important times to really lean into what's listed on your plan or what you're supposed to be doing and really just do that. So yesterday I was running with a friend. We both had six miles. We turned around at like 3.2. So it was an out and back. So we cut it at six and then we walked a little bit. So we had done this funky route. So we ended up being closer to our cars than what we thought. So we only had to walk like 0.1 mile, but like that was, that's a great example of like, don't just like run to the very end of a pointed course to turn around and then, Oh, you have an extra like 0.6 or three fourths of a mile in that run. Um, I think less is more daring taper. Um, so really kind of lean into that. Yeah. You know, I find it to be hardest in taper when you see the easy running mileage going down, let's say that you have, you know, throughout your marathon training cycle, an average easy run of seven to eight miles. You really begin as you get deeper and deeper into your training cycle to embrace that distance and fall into the rhythm of what a seven or eight mile easy run looks like and feels like not only when you're on the run, but you begin to have your entire day scheduled around that time that it takes you to run seven to eight easy miles. But then when you get into taper, you're running, let's say a three or four mile easy run. And it just doesn't feel right. You feel like you have half of your run remaining and you're actually supposed to stop. And I find that those are the moments. And this is especially true in taper, because if your body's recovering as we hope it is, you're beginning to feel how good of shape you're in and running that distance that is prescribed to you in taper is like nothing. It feels amazing and you want to keep going. And my greatest recommendation for you in that moment is number one, hold yourself accountable to that distance because it does pay off come race day. Sticking to the taper plan pays off on race day and you will never regret it because you're going to feel amazing due to the rest and recovery that you got throughout your taper. But ultimately, you have other ways to spend your time throughout your day. So let's say that you're a morning runner like Sarah and I are. If you're running in the morning, maybe you have a little bit longer to prepare for your day. Maybe you have a little bit longer to prepare a really solid, nutritious breakfast. So going all the way back to not short-siding food intake, you can actually invest even more in your food intake because you have more time after that shorter distance taper run. So you're going to want to run longer. I find myself wanting to run longer on my easy runs just because fall into a nice rhythm. But forcing yourself to stop, understand that what you're doing is a part of the plan and it's going to benefit you when it's go time to really race uh, all out. Yeah, Kenzie agrees for sure. <laughs> if you heard that, <laughs> it's it's really tough. It's 
Definitely tough. And I also want to note that if your legs feel heavy and tapered, that is totally normal. And that's also part of the process. And you can get one or the other. I've had three marathons where I've had heavy legs and taper. And then I've, you know, come through the other side of it. Um, For the Boston Marathon, it was the day before. (laughs) So nothing like the day before. But it doesn't matter because they were, you know, pretty good on race day. Um, This time around, I have felt great. I have felt poppy. I have, you know, I was running a workout on my long run on Saturday. And it was broken up three by one and a half miles with some interval like easy running between and the first interval ended. And I was like, what? Like, I am so not even ready to pull back right now. And I did, I didn't want to. And I think that's, you know, twofold, like one, I'm in taper and two, it's because, you know, I've been doing up to 15 K at goal pace. So one and a half miles doesn't really feel like a lot right now, but that's part of taper. Yeah, you'll you'll um, get the you'll get the best of both of those worlds for sure throughout mm-hmm. your taper. I remember in my last taper, I was trying to like talk myself into the fact that I was beginning to feel better when I really wasn't. Yeah. Your legs will be heavy, especially if you've peaked appropriately and and your training did tax you the way that we want it to, because that stimulus leads to growth. Um, you're gonna probably not feel so great that first week of taper, and you might find yourself in your own head wondering why you don't feel good but not feeling good is actually a sign that your body's adapting and that's just part of the process the closer you get to race day you might start to feel a little bit lighter on your feet start to feel better but nothing from my experience matches that feeling on race day like if a taper goes really well and you peaked appropriately for your race you will shock yourself how well you feel come race day which is exciting. And that also means patience in the first half of the marathon (laughs) topics for another episode. (laughs) Um, Okay. So our fifth and final point in taper don'ts is don't try anything new in taper. We've talked about don't try anything new on race day. Same is true in taper. This can go for gear. This can go for like running shoes, running clothes. You don't want to chafe with new running clothes. You don't want to get a new blister or upset your feet with new running shoes. You don't want to upset your stomach with new nutrition or trying something different. Um, Stick with what you know works because throughout training, we emphasize that you get to practice everything through training. And the same is true in taper. You get to do and perform those same exercises, do the exact same thing that you have been doing in training um, when it comes to shoes and clothing and nutrition and hydration and and all of those good things. You don't want to mix it up now. You're way too close to the race. And now it's, you know, time to rest and recover and relax and not really stress about any of those other things because they've already been dialed in. I have had athletes before try new running shoes and taper and it's not been a good outcome. So um, just use your best judgment and know that um, sometimes getting new running shoes after a race is a really nice reward. Yeah, I think it's a really important point to mention nutrition under this category of not doing anything new in taper because it is hard, especially if you're carb loading into your race. So let's say that you're running a a marathon and you're going to carb load the three days 
prior to your race, you're probably going to find yourself looking for foods that you're not used to eating so that you can get the appropriate amount of carbohydrate in. And we were talking about this before we started recording, Sarah, that that can be okay as long as you know that it's going to digest well. It's not going to be something that's going to present you with an issue that day or in future days. And also understanding that just because you're eating some carb-focused foods that maybe you deem to be like a treat, like we were mentioning um, animal crackers and graham crackers. Like I love both mm-hmm. of those things. I know that they like sit well in my stomach, so it's not going to present me with digestive issues. But also understanding that just because I'm adding those in as a carb source doesn't mean that I need to completely eat the whole pack of uh, graham crackers and binge off of it because overeating something that digests well for you will still probably not digest well because that's just the nature of overeating. So being really careful with a carb load and understanding that if you're going to work in some foods that aren't exactly a staple in your diet, that you can do it in moderation still, even though you're still trying to up your carbohydrate intake and just making sure that digest digestion is great and that you're in a good place leading into your race. Yeah, absolutely. And I have just discovered gluten-free graham crackers thanks to one of my teammates. Um, and it has changed my world and also it's going to change my carbo load come uh, Thursday. So I'm very excited. Look forward to that for you. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> shift the gear here to things to do during taper. So these are things that you have the opportunity to do during taper, maybe because you have more time, or maybe because it's something that you need to be doing and prioritizing to make sure that you rest, recover, and peak appropriately for your race. The first thing that we're going to discuss is the idea of mindset or mindfulness work, really just taking the time to invest in the mental aspect of things, allowing yourself, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, Sarah, you are already preparing your mind for what your race is going to look like. And that is so important. There's a ton of studies that have been done and it's proven by many amazing athletes throughout history, the importance of some sort of mindset and i would even expand to say visualization work so sarah what is something that you do for mindset and mental strength as you're in taper leading into a race yeah i've been working on it in training too in taper specifically um i have been working on like the visualization piece for sure in visualizing myself at the end of the race, running strong, running hard, seeing the A goal um, on the finish clock. And, you know, I don't even know what that is right now, (laughs) actually. Um, But seeing something that I'm really proud of and visualizing that, visualizing the feeling and um, visualizing all the people who are going to be in Chicago supporting me and other athletes. Like, I think that's been a huge needle mover for this taper. And I also have some really great mantras that I'm leaning into um, for not just this taper, but also in training. It was something that I got to do 
every single week in training. Nell set up a really great program where like I had to find strength with some of my long runs to finish them. And the mantra side of things, you really want something that's going to align with you. So for all of my Elevate athletes, they usually get a three word phrase. And I've had athletes come back to me and say like, those words don't really resonate with me. And I'm like, great, let's figure out the three that do. And those are your words. And those are the words that you get to tell yourself when it starts to hurt or it starts to get uncomfortable or you're just wanting for it. You just want it to be over. Right. Um, and really saying that to yourself and believing it. Now it's also something that I'm still like doing in taper. I'm still visualizing and thinking through my mantras right now. What are all the things that I want to talk to myself with when it comes to, um, when it comes to race day, what are all the things that I want to remind myself on? And what's really cool is running explained, um, how to post, I think it was last week and she created a reel of some phrases that Dina Castor, who is, she's a former American women's marathon record holder. She's a super awesome runner. She has an amazing book that I read titles totally escaping me, but I read it, um, leading into CIM. And it's a huge mental strength and motivational book. So highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, But she says, when the race gets challenging sooner than you might expect, say, I can handle it anyway. And when fatigue starts to weigh you down, say, no worries, my goals will carry me. And when your body starts to scream for attention, say, I hear you, but we're not done yet. And like that third one of like, I hear you, we're not done yet is a hundred and ten percent when I'm leaning into um on Sunday and I'm just really excited to be able to test my mental side because it was really tough to kind of get to that other side of it in this training cycle and I feel like I did that and I executed it um I definitely fumbled quite a bit but the last like few weeks have really been um very strong so that's fun and exciting. So my invitation to everyone listening is to develop mantras that are personal to you and visualize yourself on the course, visualize yourself at the finish line, visualize yourself at mile 20. What are you going to do when it starts to hurt? Um, Kara Goucher was on, I think it was on Jonathan Levitt's podcast for the long run. And she was saying that, or maybe it was Jason Fitzgerald's podcast that, um, Every race, she has one mantra, and it's very specific to that race. So when she was racing Boston, it was something about being like fierce and strong and being able to tackle the hills. And if it was something like Houston that's more fast, it would be something that's lighter, that's like a gazelle that she can just like steamroll that course. So I thought that was really interesting and also what a cool concept of maybe you do have different mantras and it's just for each race because it fits you and what your specific goal is for that race and also the course and what the course entails. I'm really happy that you dove so deeply into the internal dialogue and kind of the ways that you're going to talk yourself through those challenging moments. I'm reading a book right now titled Do Hard Things uh, by Steve Magnus. And Mm -hmm. 
it's it's really a, a science-based approach to handling hard situations in our lives. That can be things that we choose, like running a marathon, or it can be things that we don't choose, like the things that can often and definitely will come come up throughout our lives. And the book is not based off of putting your head down and just continuing to try to barrel through the wall. It's about truly handling and coming to terms with the situation that you're in, but allowing yourself to navigate out of that with the mental strength that is built over time. It's a practice. And that's what you really stress there, Sarah, is you are practicing that mental strength throughout your training cycle so that when it's time to peak your fitness, you're also peaking at the highest level of mental strength as well. And I really love the, it's a very popular concept. Um, and I don't know exactly where it's rooted in. I want to say it came from Stephen Covey, but it could have come from someone else. Stephen Covey's an author. Um, and the concept is between stimulus and response, there is a space. And I think in that space is where we exercise our mental strength. What happens for a lot of people is that they feel the stimulus and they immediately feel like they have to respond in some way. So let's put that in the context of running a race. You feel that it's starting to get hard. Sarah, you mentioned that you might feel that it's starting to get hard earlier than you had planned. And that's a very uncomfortable situation to find yourself in. But when you feel that stimulus, that does not mean that you need to respond in any way that is out of the norm. You should be practicing how you're going to respond to that stimulus in your training. And within stimulus and response, you can allow yourself to have that conversation. And it can be a calm conversation. A lot of times what happens is we're not having a conversation inside of our head. We're being screamed at. <laughs> and that is the stimulus getting so loud that we feel like we have to respond. What does that response look like? We're going to wear ourselves out and we're probably going to pull back because we don't want to continue feeling this feeling. But if you can talk yourself through it, you can prepare yourself for that moment in training. You can maximize that space between stimulus and response. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very powerful. And maybe some athletes can relate to me. The first three marathons I ran, I avoided it. I thought, I don't want to get there. I want to do everything I can do to not get there. So I'm not even going to deal with it or touch it or like practice it. Cause I don't, I'm not getting there. I'm not going to hit the wall. It's not going to be hard. And like CIM was still a great race and it definitely got uncomfortable, but I held pace. But my last two marathons have been a total nightmare. And it was this training cycle where I realized like I have to figure this out because <laughs> if anyone's run a marathon, you know, like you can't shut it down when it starts to hurt. Cause you're not going to hit your goals. Like you're not going to hit your a goal if, if you have any goals. So, um, so it's really fun to be on the other side of that and, um, and know that you can too, if it's something that you're struggling with. Yeah. I always like to, maybe this is a mantra of mine. Um, I always like to tell myself that that's why you signed up for it. You signed up for that moment where it gets really hard. And also, I love the saying, this is what I do. 
Like I push through hard things. I overcome hard things. I conquer my life's challenges. You assign yourself that role of overcoming and conquering and being the person who does that on a consistent basis. And just establishing that self-confidence within yourself will really allow you to maximize that internal dialogue and continue to have control throughout the entirety of the race. Yeah. The other one that I love that you've mentioned on this podcast and I used in my last 20 miler that was progressive with two mile warm up, progressing all the way to marathon pace. And I was in marathon pace. I was running uphill. I chose that route for that reason of trying to make it just as hard as I could to see if I could still hit goal pace. And it was a way to like practice my mental strength too. And I was hitting the splits and every time I was hitting it, especially in the last like five miles, Austin, I kept telling myself, like, you're proving yourself. You're one more mile down. Like you're proving to yourself that you can do this. Keep going. And I know you talked about that before and after Buffalo. And I think that's really powerful too. It's like, if you can get 16 miles into a race, you just proved to yourself that you're 16 miles in, you can do it for one more mile and one more mile and just take it one mile at a time. And that'll be, um, you know, before you know it, you're at the finish line or something like that. Yeah. I, uh, I got, I got some chills remembering that moment. I I just remember getting to mile. So the first 15 miles of my last marathon, I, I was shooting for, you know, a really big PR and, and a goal that I've held for a long time, even when it wasn't something that was in the immediate future. And for the first 15 miles of that race, every single mile that I hit pace, I said, you're proving to yourself every single mile that you can do this and that you're going to do it today. And mm-hmm. I just remember hitting mile 15 or 16, and I can see it when I close my eyes right now. And just the feeling that I had of saying, today is the day. Like, I don't have yeah. to prove myself every mile anymore. I know that these last 11 miles, I'm about to tackle and do exactly what I need to do. Nothing is stopping me from doing this today. And it's such a powerful feeling when you realize that you are in control. Now, it goes all the way back to the beginning of your training cycle. It goes all the way back to the conversations that we've had over habits and the lifestyle that you're building towards your goals because if you don't do the work leading into the race, you can't just out-muscle a goal. You can't out-muscle a marathon. You can't do it. But when you string the work together and you are consistent and intentional towards a goal, when you prove to yourself that you can do it and that you're going to do it, it's something that sticks with you and it's something that you begin to crave. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm right there and it's exciting. So, um invitation everyone listening to see what they can do to be in that space too because when you're on the other side it is pretty fun and i mean i've yet to prove myself sunday will be the tale you're about to the tale yeah exactly um all right so for the second point of things that we want to do in taper you want to listen more closely to the cues of your body sleep movement nutrition hydration Um, this is critical. Like your body leaves clues, right? We talk about this all the time and not just your body in life training, but your body specifically, like we were talking about nutrition. If you are craving more salt or more sugar or more carbs, 
that could be your body's way of saying like, Hey, I'm working really, really hard to repair myself or itself during this taper. I need extra fuel to be able to do that correctly in the way that we want it to sleep is huge. I'm going to touch on sleep. Like sleep is the number one recovery tool. Everyone knows that. Um, and if you didn't know it, you know it now. (laughs) And last night I slept nine hours and I felt so good. And if you can lean into that and I know everyone's life is busy just because you're in taper, it doesn't mean that life stops. So if you can at least be in bed for eight hours, that will help you set yourself up for success, especially not just in taper, but race week. Like, because we all know that the night before a race, like who even sleeps, right? So you really want to make sure the night before and two nights before um, the night before a race is, um, is, you know, you're getting as much sleep as possible so you can set your body and your mind up for success. It's really interesting. And I think that a lot of people listening to this podcast can relate to, to this, that we often feel like we're going to be the proudest of ourselves or feel the best in our lives when we push harder, train harder, do more, sleep less. And what I find is that I'm actually the proudest of myself and I feel the best when I do listen to the cues of my body and I decide to do the thing that I know I need to be doing, which is to sleep a little bit more and maybe scale it back a little bit with training so that I can recover. And those things aren't like we don't view those things as hard. We don't view training less as hard. But at the end of the day, when you want to train hard and it's something that you do crave and it's something that you associate with achievement and work towards a goal, it actually becomes harder to scale it back. And we've been having this conversation in this episode because it's hard for people to taper. But when you listen to your body and you see the immediate and long lasting results of giving your body what it needs, which more often than not is really high quality sleep, really high quality nutrition and hydration. Those things are going to make you feel really great and you're going to achieve at a higher level because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I realize now maybe how much during training, like how tired I really was because I feel really great now. (laughs) So it's kind of fun to like lean into that too, kind of notice how your body's showing up now versus in training, but lean into the sleep, lean into the mobility and the movement, not doing new strength exercises or fatiguing the body, but movement in a sense of like, if you've been doing resistance band work this whole time, keep on with that. That can be clamshells, glute bridges, um, some light squats, um, some light lunges, core work. You can still keep up with that. And that's going to keep the mobility and the movement in your body. Um, you know, on a full rest day, like today, I didn't just like sit all day. I did walk Kenzie for a little bit. I did a little bit of mobility work just to keep things moving and to keep things light. Um, you want to also lean into the nutrition and the hydration side as well. Just listen to everything that your body's saying. Your body knows best. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, listening to those cues, 
you're going to have more time to actually exercise your ability to act on those cues. You have more time in taper. We were talking about this when we discussed having shorter runs and not really wanting to stop your, your run because you feel good, but ultimately saying, I now have more time for my family or to take care of myself or to attend to professional responsibilities. Embrace that extra time. For me, I love investing in my nutrition a little bit more. Uh, maybe not, you know, having more makeshift meals. Like I always make sure that my my meals are nutritious, but maybe I can add a little bit more to it. Maybe I can enjoy it a little bit more. Maybe I can use more time to read. I remember both of my marathon training tapers, I think I really invested in the fact that when my day was over, I could read because I had more time. I didn't have to worry about training again or just feeling like I was constantly on the go. I found some level of stillness, which is really hard sometimes to embrace stillness. I find that I embrace stillness for about five minutes and then I want to move again. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. That's just how I decide to use my extra time because ultimately I know that it's going to be something that will pay off and that will make me feel better in the future. But you can also feel better in the present moment by just embracing that time, allowing yourself to rest, recover, and just be where you're at. Be where your feet are at. I love that saying because taper, you're going to want to be on the start line. Sarah, it sounds like you want to be at mile 20, which is a great place to want to be leading into a race, <laughs> but be where you're at. Be yeah. six days out from the marathon. Be five days out from the marathon because ultimately that's where you need to be if you're going to get to that future point. Yeah, absolutely. And it's Every taper or race week is such a special week that we get to lean into that too and really embrace it, be present, um, spend extra time with friends and family. I am choosing to spend my time right now. I'm working a little bit more on the front end of the week so I can take more time on the the back end of the week um, for myself. But I baked yesterday, which never happens. And um, my Instagram stories have been blowing up, so <laughs> I'm going to try and keep that like to a minimum, but definitely have more time. And, and it does feel good. It does feel good to actually, you know, I've been sleeping a little bit more too, and that feels good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And take it, I mean, take inventory of your time for sure. And, and be intentional yeah. with your time. I think you mentioned Instagram, Sarah. I know, um, I certainly am on social media around my races and, uh, I enjoy kind of documenting and sharing the process, but I do try, and I know you do as well, to remain aware of that time because it's really easy to sit down or lay down and get on Instagram and you're there for a long time, but you can justify it with, well, I'm on taper. And that's true. You're allowing your body to rest and recover by laying there on Instagram, but is there a better use for your time? Is there something that you can be doing and I always love the concept of like return on investment. You can still get a really high return on investment with the ways that you're spending your time, even if you are in taper, even if you feel like you're not as active as you usually are. There's still a lot of ways to get a great investment on your time. So um, definitely be intentional with your time during taper, but allow yourself to recover and don't overdo it. 
Absolutely. Our fourth do for taper is hydrate with water and electrolytes. Um, this is a huge piece to your taper. You can run a strong race if you are hydrated well and have enough electrolytes in your system. I had athletes racing, you know, Twin Cities, running Twin Cities, and they both said to me how important the electrolyte side was. And they didn't, you know, we talked about it in training. They practiced it in training runs, but until they actually went through the race yesterday on Sunday, like they felt it and they realized like this is a huge, huge deal. So on race week and even throughout all of taper, you can hydrate with water, electrolyte supplements. I'm a big scratch, um, gal right now. Um, there's tons of other products on the market that are awesome too. And I'm sure Austin can tell you more, <laughs> but there's really great products out there. And essentially what you want to do is make sure that you're maximizing everything that you're putting into your body. So you can show up for success on race day. If you decide to jump from 70 ounces of water to maybe like a hundred, 110, something like that. That's a significant increase. And what you're going to do is overhydrate yourself, which is going to dilute all the good things that we want to keep inside of your body. So I never want to hear an athlete saying like, oh, I, you know, doubled my water intake on race week. It's like, what? That is a nightmare. So definitely if you're only drinking, you know, let's say 50, 60, 70 ounces of water in a day, I would say just kind of stick with it, maybe increase it by five or 10 ounces, add electrolyte power powder for sure. Um, and there's different ones out there that you can take before and after your run. And there are specific electrolytes and mixes to add while to uh, take while you're running. And those typically are the ones that have higher calories with higher sugar. And that is intentional. And it's supposed to help you when you are expending all this energy um, that you tend to do when you're running. Yeah, it's really interesting. We can treat electrolytes a lot like we treat carbohydrate in preparation for a race. And that's because we can really load up on the electrolytes. We can load up on water as well. But like you mentioned, if we load up on water alone, we're depleting ourselves. We're flushing out those electrolytes that we have in our system. So what we really need to do is we need to allow ourselves to embrace electrolytes through a formula or through a powder, a supplemental form, or just adding salt to your meals, to your carbohydrate-focused meals, and pairing that load of electrolytes, water, hydration, and the carbohydrate that we look for in preparation for an endurance event is absolutely huge. And we've talked a lot of, about carbohydrate load on this podcast Um our typical recommendation for a half marathon and a marathon and Sarah, you can expand on this idea a little bit more is that if you're training for, and you're looking to run a really strong half marathon, you can have a carb load, the one to do the one to two days leading into your race. And if you have a full marathon, the typical recommendation that I know that both of us work off of Sarah is a three-day carb load leading into that race. Absolutely. Yeah, carb loading is so important. And there's studies that show 
you're a 330 marathoner, you carbo load, you have the potential of running six minutes faster in that marathon than the, than runner B who doesn't carbo load. So, um, so who's actually the 330 marathoner is my question. But anyways, um, <laughs> does a 330 marathoner who carbo loads, does he or she, or they run like, uh, a 324 or, you know, that's where I'm going with that. Um, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's really, really, really important. Um, it is a way to store extra, um, glucose and in your body, not just glucose, but all the energy from the carbohydrates and really store it. So you can use it on race day recommendation is three to five grams per pound of body weight. If you are doing this for the first time, I would err more on like the lower end because what you don't want to do is go overboard and feel stuffed, feel bloated, feel uncomfortable because that's going to impact your sleep. It's going to impact how you move on race day. So it really is a fine balance and a really great way um, to do this is practice it in training. Austin, you did this for Buffalo, um, before one of like your longest, hardest long runs. And it is a way to like dial in what you're doing, what you're consuming. Cause oftentimes when we actually track our carbohydrate intake, we realize that we're actually not taking in enough. And it is kind of this practice where with each race, you kind of fine tune a little bit more you want to be taking in a lot of simple carbohydrates as well. So you can do this in the form of liquids that have carbohydrates and sugar. So Gatorades or sports drinks are really great. Um, you can do this with bread, pastas, um, potatoes, rice, um, applesauce, fruit, um, graham crackers, animal crackers. And all of those things are really great to, you know, increase your carbohydrate intake three days leading up for the marathon, one to two days before the half marathon to set you up for success. You also want to have a really great breakfast the morning of the race. That's primarily carbs as well. Um, and like my athlete, Jason Delavan says, it's fun for about half a day. And I a hundred percent agree with this. So <laughs> if anyone's carb loading this weekend for Chicago, Boulderthon, um, Fort, Collins has an awesome half marathon. Uh, it's a new Belgium half marathon. If anyone's doing those races, you get to carbo load and you also get to experience um, Jason's quote of it's being fun. It's fun for about half a day. Yeah. And, you know, I think the best way to, to wrap this up is we talked a lot about not doing anything new during taper. Um, I, I really think if you're having an effective, training cycle towards a race you've probably got about 16 weeks or so that's multiple months that you're going to be training and you're going to be considering that this race is your goal race and that is the north star that you're training towards there's no reason that when you get into that two week or so taper that you need to be really doing anything new i mean you can check all the boxes on what food you need to be consuming for a carb load, what digests really well, what electrolyte supplement supplement or carbohydrate-based supplement works well for you, the types of gels that you're going to be using, the shoes that you want to be using on race day. All of these things 
can be staples in your training so long as you're intentional about implementing them at specific times. So consider that whether you are entering into your taper or whether you are still in training for your goal race is that you can be practicing all of these things at one point or another in the buildup towards that race. So this was a really great conversation on things to not do and things to do during a taper. The taper can be the absolute, I don't know if you'd call the taper the icing on the cake or if the race is the icing on the cake or if the race is actually when you eat the cake. <laughs> I don't know how we want to address that. But the taper is the thing that is going to get you not only to the start line really strong and healthy, but it's going to elevate you through the finish line feeling absolutely amazing. Yeah, as amazing as you can feel in the last 5K of a marathon. We'll find out. Race week. Yeah, exactly. It's race week. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening um, this week. You all are amazing. Um, if you want to connect with Austin um, on social media, Austin, where can our audience find you? You can find me primarily on Instagram at Austin Myers 12. Great. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H runs happy and at Elevate Your Running. Thank you everyone for listening this week. Send good vibes to all the athletes racing this weekend. And um, I'll be posting some things on social media um, as I go through the experience of the Chicago Marathon and my second major. And um, I hope you all have a great week. <laughs>